my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. You've got all three of us today, Jeff, Diego, Marissa, all three recently recovered from COVID, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Didn't seem to escape anybody. Marissa's got a little bit of brain fog today. She's still going to be operating at about 200% faster than I am. So we brought her from 400% down to 200%. Aww, <laughs> Always going to kill it. Today, we're going to be talking about five ways to make money as a nomad. And starting off with um, actually not very suiting of us. We're going to talk about people that are actually on the lo- on location. So they're not really nomads, right? But they are making money on location. So they've moved somewhere and they're actually living there. Do you guys know anybody that does that? I know a couple of people. Yeah, it's a big thing that happened in the past, right? But it, you, you don't see yeah. as much of that anymore. There's that whole movement of I think they called it work and travel back in the days. And I think that's kind of getting a rebrand now as well than the name of that because um, people are now using it for the whole digital nomad thing. But yeah, in the early days, it was basically going anywhere and then seeing, can I can I get a job here? And then whenever you're ready, you move on and you get a job somewhere. So yeah, It's like slow travel, not digital nomad. It's like slow travel nomad, basically. I guess it takes like the digital out of it. You're just a nomad. So I, yeah. I like to think of that as the old times. And as we go through this, we're going to share five different ways and they kind of get progressively progressively, I don't know, COVID brain, sorry, I guess, progressively more freedom as you go through it. But this first way that we're talking about is, is really like Diego said, if you think about in the old days, someone would just be like, I want to move to Australia. I'm going to show up and mm-hmm. get a job in a hostel or a bar or a farm for, you know, a month or two or three. And then when I move on to the next place, I'm going to land there and have to find a job too. So yeah. we want to share all the ways. Technically, you can still do this too. And it's a cool way to be, I think, a local, you know, a part of the local community in a way that you don't really get as a digital nomad. But it gives you the least amount of freedom, and then you're starting over every time you move. So not ideal, but possible. We, we want to share all the possibilities. I'm glad that we talked about this one, too, because if you look at... I do a lot of SEO, obviously. I've talked about that ad nauseum for our audience. <laughs> this particular topic, Diego, you said like work and travel, work and travel programs and things like that, still searched a ton. And in some instances, actually talked about more often than like digital nomads. So people are still definitely doing this and they do it in a whole lot of different ways. There's like work and travel programs where basically you get room and board and you work like on the ground. You're not doing necessarily doing like digital things, digital marketing or anything like that. But like I've also got a friend, our friend Nikki, who just up and moved to Mexico about 11, 12 years ago and just started working as a bartender in Playa del Carmen. And we know we've got that friend and we all have that friend that kind of started it a long time ago. You're like, <laughs> right. that is so odd. They moved out of the hometown. Where did they go? They moved out of the hometown and moved to Mexico. And you're like, that is such an abstract, crazy concept. At least it was to yeah. me back then, you know, but people, it's it's funny to think that people are still doing that. And that's a, that's a really interesting uh, dynamic because one, you mentioned we are, we are going in order of 
freedom. And that's probably the, the least amount of freedom because you're actually yeah. on location. You actually have to work somewhere. But on the flip side of that, these people are integrating themselves with the local community more than yeah. anybody else that we're going to go through on the list. For sure. Yeah. I'm in Playa del Carmen now in Mexico as we speak. And like, I feel like I see just all nomads, but I've been with Nikki in Playa in Mexico and she knows the local, she speaks the language really fluently. Like it's, it's, it is such a different experience. And to your point, Jeff, I think of what people, I wonder if a lot of people just don't know what's possible. It's like the first thing you think of is I have a job in my physical place at home. Maybe I could do that same physical you know, job if I just find a different country. And I, if I look back at myself, back to 2010, 11, 12, 13, even 2014, before I discovered this life was really possible, I was working in brand marketing at Pepsi. And that's obviously a global company. We have offices all over the world. So for me, I was like, I want to move to Australia or Ireland or like anywhere else. And I was trying to say, how can I transfer within? And I was stuck to local you know, places that spoke English because if I moved to other countries, even with Pepsi, I, I would need yeah. to know those local languages. So I was still bound by language to work for my company. And it was almost impossible for them to do that transfer. Like even though those offices existed, I couldn't find a job. And there's all sorts of hurdles with me thinking about real kind of like corporate companies with visas and pay, you know payments for to move you and all sorts of things like that. So mm-hmm. there's different ways to look at it, but it really is I think harder to do and it gives you less freedom. But yeah, it is neat to think about the people who really get to you make friends in a, in a much more local way than a typical nomad life. I'd also add to that that you if you think about how the journey goes of a classic traveler, um, it very often starts with you know you're finished with I don't know with school, college, university. And then you go, okay, well, now I want to go travel the world. And it usually starts with just this kind of sabbatical where you've got just about enough money to be able to start doing that. People do the backpacking kind of thing. So you're, you know, you're traveling on a budget, but then there's a moment where you kind of start running out of money or you're realizing you're getting to that point. That's when you start to ask yourself the question, well, what else could I do that I could be doing as I'm going so that I can extend this time of of just travel and living in this kind of lifestyle? I I guess it really is the kind of people who get hooked into that, you know, who get the travel bug, essentially, right? And that's then the the next phase. And then I think the phase that comes after that is when people start to look at for the first time, wait a minute, what could I do that would let me travel more frequently, basically, and, and just keep going basically with that same job? And that's where people start to then look at the idea of like, okay, the the digital nomad or doing something in the digital realm that you don't have to give up when you go from one place to the next, but that you can just keep on um, bringing with you, right? So it's an interesting kind of evolution. And many people in the U.S. also do like Peace Corps or like different kind of educational things where it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I just want to be in a different country. Like, how can I get paid to do that any sort of way? But I feel like we beat this one. Maybe we can... Move on, you introduce number two, Jeff. It's, 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 yeah, this one, good foot in the door. We're going to do a quick pros and cons on each one of these pros, probably. Uh, yes. Good foot in the door, right? It's a good, I just want to get my feet wet and see what it's like to live in a different country. Yeah. Um, pro, you integrate with the community because you're not moving around as nearly as frequently. Cons, you're basically doing the same thing in a different country. Like you're stuck. Yeah. You've, you've got the yeah. least amount of freedom. Okay, let's, let's jump into the next category. And this is one that I could probably lend maybe the most insight, which is an employee <laughs> for a company. We, we've had, I think we've had poor listeners had to listen to an entire podcast, me talking about my job. But the, the, second, the second one is, as one of the more common routes that we see people take is working for their current company. And they've either been granted permission to do that by their employer to travel and work online, or it was already a job that allowed you to do that. So yeah, starting with Marissa, give me some, what are your thoughts on that in terms of like pros and cons? 
Yeah. So working as an employee, basically you're the same as you would work from home, from your home office in whatever country or state you're in, except you can just pick up your computer and move absolutely anywhere. So you're still just doing your job from your laptop, but you have the freedom, whether you've told your employee, hopefully they've given you permission. Some people secretly do that. That's a story for another day. <laughs> but I'd say it is. It is. I talked to someone the other day on our podcast. Uh, we were talking about privacy and he called it stealth nomading. I never heard that term, but I definitely have, have traveled with many friends who are just like, don't ask, don't tell. I'm not going to tell my employer. That but a, in terms That's a good of, euphemism for spinning a complex web of lies so your employer doesn't yeah, know that you're trying to do Yes, have many friends who do it. Um, but in terms of pros and cons, I would say the pros of it are it is the like the if you are listening to this podcast and you're like I would love to travel I don't even yet have a remote job the pro is it is like this is the fastest way you can start doing that so what we teach inside of our course for anyone who's interested it's the go remote employment course teaches you how do you find like figure out what remote job you'd be good at what you're qualified to do what you want to do how to find that job get hired negotiate all of that and it really is the fastest way from like zero to remote income to start traveling the world ASAP. The other pro of it is like the, the reason it's the fastest and easiest is because it's a, it's a quick way to make income and have it consistently. So we'll talk about other kind of entrepreneurial ways and things like that. Mm-hmm. That might just take longer or it's scary because you're not guaranteed an income with you know startups or your own sort of business. So this is just like the quickest way to have, you know, think about your same paycheck every two weeks or four weeks or however often your employer yeah. pays you, but you have the freedom to be elsewhere. The con of that is that you are still locked to, you know, call it nine to five or whatever, you might yeah. be um, locked to a certain time zone or just certain hours, certain, like must sit in front of your computer, there's less flexibility. But I want to pass mm-hmm. it to you, Diego, to add any kind of pros and cons that you've seen with this as well. Yeah, I, I think at least also a, a nuance there is to think about what, um, what happens there for, for your work. Can you do that in the st- you know, are you limited to your country and can you travel around your country? Are you limited to maybe a certain time zone? Does that mean if you're you know, employed in the States, you can travel around South America? If you're in Europe, you can travel, you know, Europe and, and um, Africa, right? Or are they allowing you to work full on globally? So those are definitely things to think about as well. Community, we have, obviously we're, we're traveling around the world and then every now and then we'll see people who are, you know, trying to travel in Asia, but they have to stick to their to their times mm-hmm. in, in the States, for example. Yeah. That's quite challenging, you know? So those are things that you want to be considering as well. I don't think it's a really big problem from my perspective. You know, the world is massive. And if you get to travel just one time zone, that's perfectly fine because you're, you're going to be able to travel that time zone mm-hmm. for the next two to three years. No problem, right? And then you're going to be able to expand to the next one. You can always change your jobs. Change. Like, honestly, I, I wouldn't worry about that at all. Wouldn't wouldn't have that be a big issue. The only thing maybe is to make sure that they let you travel outside of your country, right? That's really <laughs> important. Yeah. Yeah. And then just to tell you a little bit more maybe about the what we've seen on the ground here as well with people, it's quite common that... Um, I think many people sort of have this idea of like, oh yeah, maybe one day I want to start something. I want to, you know, work for myself, or I want to start, or you know, freelance. I want to work um, and build a business, maybe. But I've seen more and more that the probably the best approach to doing that is to have some form of stability, something that allows you to, you know, what, whether it's to get a foot in the door or to to kind of like start living this this lifestyle, and then to either go part time on that or to, you know, basically to to ramp our hours down on that. And start to just just shift over some of the time that you have into your own project. So if it's something that if you really do still want to do your own project, I still um, honestly recommend starting um, first in a in a job. And if you want to build your own business out, 
I'd also recommend starting in a uh, specifically yeah. in a smaller team in a smaller startup because you're going to learn so much there, right? So just in general, no matter what you're planning to do, it's a very um, it's a very solid first step in into this kind of lifestyle, right? Yeah. I can yeah. confirm and, all that stuff. I've been I've been doing it for <laughs> for four years now, and honestly, it is the it's like the safest step that you can you can take. You both covered a, a couple interesting points that I want to reiterate. If you're able to negotiate, again, we have a course that helps people negotiate and, and make good points to become a, a remote worker for your company. If you're able to do that, you've got a few things going for you. You've got guaranteed income, which which is huge, right? And yeah. you don't have to take that leap of faith and jump off the cliff. You've got guaranteed income. You're still likely going to have your health insurance. You're likely going to be able to travel and negotiate around plus or minus about three time zones to start, which is exactly what I did. Diego, you made a good point. It could be seen as a con because you still have to negotiate time zones to some degree. You're probably going to need to be on close to the hours of, of the headquarters of where you're working. But once you get a feel for it, you can start to expand out of those time zones a little bit. Like I did Europe this year and I got up to like 11 time zones ahead and it was it was totally doable. So it really is just kind of like digital nomading with training wheels. There's no other way to put it. It's just like a, an easy way to, to, to start. Marissa, you had something else. I was just going to say, it's just fun to hear where we are right now. I know Diego's in Egypt with a group of nomads. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of those people are employees who are working kind of those night yeah, hours. And a lot of those people, so you and I are going to Mauritius next. We're just chatting in, in Slack of us, you know, some group of us who are going. And everyone's like, what hours are you working? And most people, it sounded like for that group, are going to be working kind of those evening hours so they're still doing us or whatever time zone they're on but they're working call it i don't know even 4 p.m to 11 p.m sometimes but everyone was super excited because they're like i'm gonna be going to the beach during the day i'm going hiking in the morning so it depends on you know what you're looking for but i was just curious diego if you could give a couple examples of people in egypt like you really can be in these foreign places even depending on your time zone for work and still kind of make a cool day of it yeah, absolutely. Look, Egypt's been really, really interesting because the sun sets here at 4.30. So people wake up, they've got pretty much the entire day of sun to go out and explore. And then as soon as it sort of gets to the end of the day, people are like, oh, I need to start my work day, right? Which is really interesting. You know, if you think back to why we even work when we work, it probably has something to do with when we had to, you know, plow fields and we had to be out there when it was actually oh, yeah. right. Like it's something, you know, very, very, very basic that we never asked, sat down and just asked ourselves, wait, why are we doing this? And do we still need to do it this way? Mm -hmm. I like this idea that a bunch of people can just go, what if we within this bubble decided to just shift our days and make, take advantage of uh, a new way of, of working? You know, as long as you're putting your hours in, you're, you're mm -hmm. totally fine. Yeah. It just really depends on where you, where you can focus at what time. Interesting point. It, uh, in going to Europe, I thought it was going to be a huge struggle. I'm, you're a morning uh, worker, mo Jeff. Total, total <laughs> morning person. And I thought this was going to be hell, right? Because I starting work at 2 p.m. and ending at 10 p.m., my brain, it's diminishing returns from the second I wake up <laughs> until the second I go to sleep. It's just like a downward, it's a downward sloping chart. And nobody We're the opposite. <laughs> However, I discovered when I was in Europe, starting work at 2, 3 o'clock p.m., something like that, I used all my good energy on the things that I wanted to do. 
you know, and then in the tell your company not to listen to this right now. <laughs> it was it well, it was it was fine because I wake up with a lot of energy, and I used all that energy to explore throughout the day. And then by the time yeah. I was starting work, I was I was pretty settled down. I felt accomplished. Like the, my my workouts were done. I'd seen a bunch of shit that I was really happy about seeing. So once two o'clock hit, I started working, and then ten o'clock, I was exhausted. I just go straight to bed. You know, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, and it was like a perfect little transition. So that really changed my perspective on what a work day could look like in, in a really, really positive way. I, I would do it. I would do it over what I've got now with starting work immediately in the morning. And you just don't ease in by starting. Yeah. Uh, by, by starting. Let's get into our next category. So next we've got, we've got a lot of experience with these folks, freelancers. In particular, we've seen a lot of writers make a good living as freelancers. We've seen uh, a lot of developers. I think the majority of developers that I've met don't actually work for companies. Well, they work for companies as freelancers or as their own as their own company. Let's go to, let me start with Diego because you've, you've interacted with at least a hundred freelancers mm-hmm. over the past five, six years. What's your experience been working with them? Yeah, well, so the way that I would interact with people here, I guess, is it's it's more on the social level, right? So I get to see what people are doing throughout the day, how they, in a sense, interact with their work and what they do when they're not working. Freelancers obviously have more freedom. And it's actually, you know, whenever we organize trips, for example, we'll say, hey, let's take this extra weekend day and now we can do a three-day three weekend kind of thing. So freelancers are more likely than not <laughs> the ones who are like, no problem, let's do it, right? Um, they Always. can usually move their... <laughs> yeah, and, and they'll move their time around. They'll go, okay, well, I'm going to work a little bit extra here. They, don't get me wrong. They're hardworking. Um, most of the freelancers that I've known here, they will put in a lot of time. Bear in mind, and this is why actually, as much as, I, as I've got a lot of positive things to say about freelancing, there are certain negative aspects to it or, or just challenges, if you will. One of them is that you are, in a sense, a business and not necessarily with all of the positive sides of being a business, right? Because you're still quite small. So what happens is you have to do your accounting, you have to find your clients, you have to do the sales calls, you have to do the market, you have to do uh-huh. that entire thing that a business would be doing, but you're just one person and nobody's paying you for that time, right? So that's why you uh-huh. end up seeing a lot of freelancers spending a lot, just a lot more time than somebody else, right? So that's one yeah. challenge. The other challenge yeah. is the ebbs and flows of freelance work. That sucks as well because you got, you know, sometimes you have a ton of clients and you don't know when because it's it's up to the clients who say, oh, now, now we really need your help. Now we actually don't, right? It can be stressful when you don't have the work. It can be stressful when you do have the work. So really you're stressed a lot of the time. Um, well, what you sacrifice in security, you gain in freedom too. I mean, yes. if, if one slides yes. right past the other in some instances, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, except except there are moments where you then don't have the freedom, right? Because you can't 100% just go, if you have a big project, you are going to be accountable for that, right? I would say, look at it sort of big picture view, zoom out and go my month by month or quarter by quarter, I have a lot of freedom. But on a you know day by day, week by week perspective, you might not have um, that much freedom and flexibility, right? Yeah, and most of those. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like with that, with that freedom of it, even if you have to put in more work, like you're saying, those people are still the ones who can say, "All right, I'm gonna take a Friday off because it doesn't matter." They're not held to that same annoying kind of calendar that are locked in that a lot of employees are. So even if they're working the same hours or 
probably a lot more as an employee, Mm -hmm. they can say, okay, I'm going to spend 12 hours working on Thursday so that I can just work two hours in the morning on Friday and like hit the road on this road trip. So you have more freedom in terms of when you're getting things done, but yeah, they're still working hard, but I I cut you off in terms of another, another obstacle. No, but that's a, that is a really, really great point. Uh, Cause in that sense, yes, you do have, more freedom uh, in a sense that you get to choose when and where you work. Yeah. Right? That's already a There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's some companies actually that are amazing at that. They'll say, look, get your work yeah. done and I don't care. Great. Right. Mm-hmm. That's almost like the freelancer type of vibe within a company, <laughs> which is, you know, that's the best, the best, yeah, a great world. scenario. Yeah. And the only yeah. real time zone restriction they're going to have that I've seen is generally I have to have a call with my client once a week or something like that. And they're going to have to make a right. call work at some, maybe some odd point of the day. But other than that, they just work around it. Yeah. But it's not bad because it, like yeah. anybody can do a call. You know, if I have one hour call on 11 PM on a Tuesday, once a week, Whatever. Like, okay. Versus, you know, not every day, but it yeah. is interesting as you, you know, I know we're kind of going in order of these five things in terms of the freedom that you have, but it is really important. So I work as, as a career coach and coach for just people's life in general. Right. And a lot of my clients who have come to me are travel friends who are working as freelancers and are burnt out and stressed out. And so even though they have that freedom and that choice, several of them have actually thought about and gone back to get in a job as an employee because the stress of, like you said, Diego, you know, they're getting paid maybe with their hours of their graphic design or the website development, but they're still working their asses off to find those clients, do the marketing, like put their time in, get the clients, interact with clients that they, they just want to spend, you know, their their zone of genius is designing or developing, you know, whatever that might be. So a lot of those people have actually said, like, I don't want to do the sales part. I don't want to run the business part. I just, you know, I got into this because I wanted to design and it doesn't feel free anymore. It feels stressful and exhausting. So they've actually said, I'd rather give back a level of freedom and work as an employee again. So those really are some some trade-offs there. But yeah. Actually, Marissa, I was, I was going to ask you something around that because I, this is something that I think about a lot, but I, because I don't have sort of the same interaction that you have there with, with clients where you're actually yeah. asking them, are you happy with this? You know, is this where you want to go? So a big question that I always have when it comes to freelance, uh, working as a freelancer is what does it feel like? when you're in a role where you are, it feels almost like you are being used. I mean, there's even this term nowadays where people go, I'm using this freelancer, I'm using that freelancer, right? I, I, I really don't like that. But it, it, it's, it just exemplifies how you are a tool essentially to get something done. You're neither, you know, you're helping a team, but you're not fully part of a team here or there, right? Yeah. I think it really depends on the type of freelance work that you do, who your clients are, how involved you are, how good they are to you. And I've definitely seen a whole range of that within clients. So we have um, one of my clients is a freelance developer and he works for, you know, months on end for, you know, like you were saying, it's almost as if he's part of that kind of company, but he just has much more freedom, doesn't have to have like job critique and promotions and all of that. But he loves it and he is pretty consistent. He's not doing selling. These gigs might last anywhere from eight months to a year. And so he feels good and he loves that he can work on his own, get his work done when he feels like it, not be tied to the time zones. And there are other people, like you said, who might be doing maybe lower paying freelance work or they're you know working really hard, let's say like in copywriting or something where it's ongoing, but it just doesn't. It's like you're still searching for clients. It comes and it goes and they don't. It doesn't feel good. It's not one size fits all. Is that the term? It really just depends on the kind of work you do and and the clients that you find. Like, are they good clients? Are they paying well? Do they treat you well? So it just it really is a case by case basis. 
let's jump into the next category. You two are um, going to shine in this one because you are both, you've seen it and you've done it and you're doing it. Let's talk about entrepreneurship. You Something... are too now, Jeff. <laughs> Quasi entrepreneur. All right. But, but you, it's different because you two have made a living and you know how to make money as entrepreneurs and you know how to help people make money as entrepreneurs themselves. So Marissa, you've got an ear to ear grin. You're going first. I'm Tell, really laughing at Diego's facial expressions that you guys can't see, but um, <laughs> I will talk to you if I can remember the question with my COVID brain. Um, okay. <laughs> entrepreneur, <laughs> entrepreneurship. You've worked with oh, entrepreneurs. Give, give me, um, give me the pros and cons of being an entrepreneur. For somebody yeah. that's just about to, or, or it's like trying to dip their toes in it, they're trying to think about whether or not they want to be an entrepreneur and travel. Yeah, I want to talk to start about the time it takes to start making money. And then I'll let Diego kind of talk about some of the stresses and things like that as well. But I'll give him the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He gets to be bad, bad. But as an entrepreneur, again, if we're thinking about humans are seeking freedom, right? And so most people who are going into entrepreneurship are both seeking freedom from the traditional boss and corporation and having to be tied to what anyone else says. That is something that really appeals to me. I don't like to have bosses. I don't like to be told what to do. So it's like, why wouldn't I just work for myself? There's also not a cap on income potentially, right? So if I think about an employee or a freelancer, you're trading your time for money. There's really just kind of a cap of like maybe a 5% or 10% or 2%, you know, whatever raise you're getting each year. And, and that's where it's kind of locked at. So with that, a lot of people seek entrepreneurship to escape those things. When I you know, became a nomad, so I don't know if we've fully talked about um, my story, but I started with the cliche reading Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, right? Where I was like, why wouldn't I want to, why wouldn't I want to work four hours a week and have, make more and be at a beach and travel the world, so on and so on. And I remember I read that book while I was on vacation in Hawaii, sitting on a beach and I was like, yes, this is the life. But I mean, probably like eight years ago now, but it took me, I want to say four years before I was like really, truly making it Like I had had the courage. I worked for two more years, my corporate jobs. I didn't know what to start. I didn't know coaches existed. I didn't know I could get help with this. And it took me two years to, to quit my job to even figure out what to do. And then from there, it took probably two more years until I was really making enough money to go be a nomad and not just like live at home with my, with my safety net and family and all of that sort of stuff. So it can take four years or longer or shorter, but you know, from start to finish to say, all right, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to travel the world. Now I'm making enough money to do so. So again, it doesn't have to take that long, but the, the point is that you may never make money in your business. You it may you may try 10 years and never do it. So if you can, it's a great way to be more free and to be able to, you know, be on I've lived in Asia and Africa and South America. Like time zones are not a thing for me because I make my own hours and do my own time. So those are sort of the pros and cons, but I, I want to pass it to you, Diego, to share some more and then also some of the additional stresses of of running, you know, that come with running a business. Yeah, I think I'm going to start really briefly with the amazing, <laughs> amazing parts of it, because then I can spend the rest of the time on the, on the challenges. Uh, amazing is that you get a ton of, not just in terms of time and location where you want to be, but also in terms of, I, I, I call it freedom of impact. You get to decide what your time goes towards. And I think that that's, mm -hmm. uh, if that's meaningful to you, then, you know, entrepreneurship might be really, really, really interesting to you, right? Freedom of impact or legacy or whatever you want to call it. Now that's, that's a good check on the challenging side. Well, actually it might actually help to, to also just briefly go over the, the story there and how I, how I got here in the first place. Cause it kind of 
covers all of those except uh, employment. I am absolutely unemployable at this point, probably. But, um, <laughs> yeah, when I so I was trying to right out of university, I was trying to trying to build a few different businesses. I think that must have been two or three years trying and failing, literally miserably, until I got to the point where I was like, I am done with startups. This is this is crap. This is bullshit. Because <laughs> at that time, everybody was selling you that hype of yeah, you're going to work a few years like nobody will, so that you can live the rest of your life like nobody can. Like there's all that you know all that stuff, right? <laughs> And turns out, turns out three years later, I'm still where I started, except probably worse. I had literally <laughs> negative dollars in the bank. And then decided that I'd learned something, you know, something along the lines of marketing as I was going with those startups. And I, I went into becoming a freelance marketer. Did that for about three months and uh, realized it wasn't quite my jam either, but it certainly helped me get some, some of those finances a little bit in order. The cool part with freelance is you can start very small and then you can grow grow bigger and bigger, right? And then it was really by accident that everything with Wi-Fi Tribe started. Like it was literally just a decision to change a life, uh, just change my lifestyle. Cause I was like, I'm frustrated where I am. I haven't been traveling. I want to be surrounded by a bunch of really cool people. So it was, you know, the only real, really, the only way to really make that happen was to go, I'm going to go travel somewhere. You know, we have had this house in Bolivia, I invited a bunch of people there and said, you know, bring your work guys. And over the weekends, maybe I can show you around. Uh, we were seven people the first time that we, that we went there. Now we're doing, you know, chapters with 20 to 25 digital nomads. So things have really changed and there's, there's a bunch happening at the same time in different places in the world. But yeah, in those early days, that was, it was sort of mixing those two things. I'm trying to start the company with that. I thought it was going to be great. I thought it was going to be an absolute lifestyle, you know, easygoing type of business. It is the hardest business that I could have imagined possibly running. And I'm sure that most entrepreneurs will say that. So honestly, at the end of the day, yeah, every type of business is challenging, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really ever get, get easy. And the point there, I think, is that you... You are, if you are chasing the money, you are better off um, starting with a job. If you are chasing the freedom, you are probably better off starting with a job. So a lot of these things that you want from a lifestyle perspective, entrepreneurship is going to ruin your life for a while. And then if you manage <laughs> to make it, it can turn out really nicely, right? But you have to ask yourself, am I willing to make all of these sacrifices right now at you know this point in my life? Or do I, what do I really want to focus on, right? Is a lifestyle more important right now? And should I come back to entrepreneurship in the future? In hindsight, I would have changed my decisions. I would have started in a small, well, I think I would have learned more as well, starting in a startup, learning from somebody else, getting all of that, that freedom and the lifestyle part, and then going, now that I know how it's done, let me try to start something. But yeah, that's my, my two cents, guys. Take it yeah. or leave it. It's interesting. And um, I think to your point, it really just is where you're at in your life, what's important to you, what you're willing to risk, how much time you're willing to put in. And the coaching that I do, a lot of people come to me who are interested in starting a business or quitting their job or just finding something that makes them, you know, happier. And with that, you know, it, it isn't one size fits all. I think that's the kind of answer, blanket answer to all of this episode, if you're trying to figure out which is the right route to you. Because when I coach people, it's a lot of individual questions on, you know, how much are you okay making zero money for the next 12 months? And some people that's like a hell yes, I've saved up, I'm willing to risk it all and start this business. And some people are like, absolutely not. I've got a mortgage, I've got two kids, I've got this, I, I you know, if I'm not making X amount of money or more, I, I can't do it. So then it's looking at, okay, how do you keep your job? Can you find ways to make more money working, you know, part-time while you're starting something on the side? You know, it's it's really not a straight fit. And yeah, it does take time and dedication and potentially years. So anyway, I think we've covered anything else, Jeff, that we need to cover on, on this one before we move to the next topic. 
I don't think so. We've got one more category, investor. Is that probably the category that I've got the least experience with as far as interacting with people who do strictly investing? I, I interact with somebody that was a gambler, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, he did he did sports gambling and had some sort of some sort of trick and technique for doing that. Traveled around Diego. I don't know if you remember the guy traveled around with a oh, yeah. TV. Yeah, 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 that was interesting. I, I mean, most of from the Denmark. people that I travel with do from Denmark. Yeah, exactly. Most of the people that I travel with do some sort of their own investing as opposed to just like throwing it into a standard retirement. But I haven't met anybody that actually invests for a living. Anybody yeah, I can cover this that? one. And when okay. I think about it, it's really, I think about this, maybe I could even relabel this one as passive income. Like, and I'm talking truly passive income. So as the level of freedom progresses, you know, if you think about whether you're making your money initially from being an employee, a freelancer, an entrepreneur, family money, you know, however you have money to start, taking that cash and investing into things that are really going to actually like put in you're you're putting in money to to make money, right? So whether that's real estate investments, stocks that have yields, crypto investing, there's kind of many different ways that you can do that or just yeah, investing into, you know, angel investing, different businesses, stuff like that where really you are not working day to day. You are not the one responsible for making money. Like your money is being made for you from cash that you've put into different investments. And it's interesting. So I've been at a conference here in Mexico two weeks ago. I was, I was here for that. And someone, we were in a room talking about taxes and tax benefits, which is such a bit. And so likely, you know, the group of people who was in that particular meetup is a type of person who cares about taxes, making a lot of money. But the guy asking was like, raise your hand if you're a traditional employee, if you are a freelancer, if you're an entrepreneur, or if you're just kind of like an investor and you're just living at this point, you're basically retired. And a good chunk of those were digital nomads who were all just basically living off of investments that they had made, retiring, different crypto things, you know, all, a sort of range of um, real estate things. But it really is the last layer of freedom. And it takes, I think that's the hardest one to do because you have to have the cash to start with to then invest in those things and do that wisely. But most of those people who are now traveling are spending a couple hours a day waking up, looking at the crypto markets or looking at investments, learning, learning about tax laws and regulations and how to make their money work for them. So that's really the last level of freedom that I just even wanted to provide for you as we as we look at this pyramid of, of goals yeah. to get to. And that's definitely something that I think about more is like, how do I make my cash work harder for me so that I can work less and really just spend the time doing, you know, I would be doing this podcast anyway, but doing what what we love. So that's kind of really the ultimate goal is how do you have that financial freedom so you can just do what you love, whether that's, you know, a combination of travel and working anyway. Any other thoughts on that, guys? Yeah. So basically just becoming an investor. <laughs> yeah. like we, did we list a con in that one? Is there anything? No cons. The con I mean, is that you have to have the cash to begin with, right? So it's not a con of being that. It's like, it's the yeah. con is that it's the hardest place to get to, to, to start, I would say. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Life goals, right? That's the life goal for everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's like ultimate freedom, making money while yeah. you sleep. Yeah, I think that's probably the way to go. And by the way, all five <laughs> of these categories, we do help. We've got a course, beachcommute.com backslash GRE, the Go Remote Employment Course. I said it right for the first time. That is that is a Dr. Seuss line, yeah, by the way. Go Remote <laughs> Employment Course. <laughs> Got it. It is our G-R-E. G-R-E. Any final thoughts on how to make money uh, while traveling from either of you? I'd say that's really it. Like, get started. That's what I would say. There's so many. We want to provide you all these ways so you can see what's appealing for you. But the point is, find resources, you know, whether that's through us or somewhere else. But start to learn what jobs are out there, what you can do. And it's easier than you 
think if if you have it's, it's hard as well but if you have a desire to travel make it your priority and know that there are thousands of people you know in, in our community traveling that we meet who just do all different there's, there's so many ways to make money once you start to think creatively and just know that it's possible for you that's what i would say yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that that you're we're in this crazy time where sort of everything's been super accelerated. Just two years ago, there weren't as many remote jobs as there are now, right? So, if you're if you're currently in a job that doesn't let you go remote, I do believe that there are opportunities out there for you, or even the, the possibility to negotiate that. And so, don't yeah, don't lose hope in that. It's it's honestly not as far away as you think it might be. And the other thing that I think I'll, I'd, I'd like to leave us, uh, leave everybody with is really also think about this, the kind of the order in which we presented these. Uh, it's, it's really relevant to, to remember that you want to, when you're changing something so big, this lifestyle thing, you want to ask yourself, how can I get to the next step without shaking absolutely everything up, right? How yeah. can I basically control some moving parts and change one thing at a time so that I can really enjoy this and I can actually move forward without sort of risking too many things, right? So it helps to go, how can I get, you know, my current job to go remote? How can I then potentially, if I want to become a freelancer, or how can I then potentially alongside start a business, ultimately really step into that business, if that's what you want to do. And then at the end of the day, become an investor, or you can skip the business part, go from, you know, well-paid employee over to investor works out really well yeah. too. But think about that. Perfect. And lastly, I would just say, if you're curious about remote jobs, check out beachcommute.com slash 91 it's number 91 we'll share 91 different jobs that people in our community are doing if you want to start to get some ideas and talk to us too if you ever have any questions you can mm -hmm. find us at hello at beachcommute.com we love talking about this stuff no matter what the question is we're we're happy to have a chat with you that's it that wraps it up that's five ways to make money while traveling thanks everybody thanks marissa diego we'll see you all next time